Welcome to Behind the Number, where we are bridging the gap between personal development and athletics. Each week, we'll either have an athlete, a coach, a psychologist, a social worker, or even just me dropping gems about my findings. I'm your host, Akela Hughes. Let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another season of Behind the Number. Again, I'm your host, Akela Hughes, and I'm so excited to kick this season off with Dr. Madeline Barlow. So she's a former competitive swimmer, and now she's an athlete transition coach. And what's so cool about her position is, one, she's giving back to the sports community that fed so much into her. And two, working with athletes allows her and requires her to self-reflect on her own journey. And she gets, you know, kind of a form of therapy through helping others. But I won't talk too much about it because I really want to hop into the interview. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button to make sure you're up to date with all the episodes because this season's going to be incredible. Let's get into the show. Hi, it's nice to have or thank you for having me here. Of course, of course. So before we get into basically your whole life story, I want mm-hmm. us to take it back and I want us to start from the beginning. So I want you to tell us briefly about where you're from, what sport you play, and what you're kind of doing now. Great. Um, so I am from Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. Um, I grew up there. My parents still live in the same house, which I'm at right now as we're in quarantine. Right. Um, and, you know, I was a swimmer my whole life. So I swam, you know, from the time I was eight years old to 22, all the way through college. Right. Um, but really, I was in the pool you know, as soon as I could be when I was very, very little, <laughs> probably <laughs> one years old. So water was my, my favorite place to be. Um, so it just made sense that I, I became a swimmer. Right. Uh, and from that, again, as I said, I, I swam all the way through college and I really um, experienced all the, the joyful moments mm-hmm. and all of the massive disappointments that uh, there is potential for in sport and in life. Right. Um, but it really it has led me to be where I am today, which is working in the sports psychology field. You've been a swimmer for a ridiculously long time. <laughs> but let's talk about how being like a competitive athlete from a young age, how do you think that molded you as a person? Sure, that's a really great question. You know, I think I think sport has the potential to teach us some really wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um and it also can teach us some some not so wonderful things, but that's again just life in general, and it's what you take from it. Right. Um, and so for me, I think it it allowed me to be resilient. I think that's the number one thing I, I'd like to share is how mm-hmm. swimming really made me um, a resilient human being. Which, and you know, for those that aren't familiar with resilience, it's really just how how fast you can bounce back. Yep. You know, your ability to bounce back and how quickly you can do that. And so, like I said, swimming had some really wonderful, really intense, joyful moments, but it also brought along some great disappointment. And it was in those moments, those disappointing times mm-hmm. that I really was able to see myself navigate the disappointment pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, at first when I, when I was maybe in high school and just starting to 
to notice that I would get very upset if I didn't <laughs> swim well, which I'm sure to those athletes out there and parents out there, you've ex- you may have experienced this. Right. Um, you need at least one time for you to be like, okay, well, exactly. this is the right way to get through this one. Yeah. And it's very natural. You know, it's very natural mm-hmm. to be upset when it's something you put a lot of time and effort into and it's something that means a lot. Um, but it, again, I, I, as I grew up, as I continued to, to grow and have more of those moments, mm-hmm. I noticed myself getting better and better at positively navigating those nice. trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. So what would, you, what would you say was your most challenging time? Well, I know that especially the transition from high school to college, it's mm-hmm. similar in ways, but it's very different in ways, especially when you think of time management, expectations, mm-hmm. and all of that. So how did you get through challenging moments as a student athlete in high school? Mm. Like, how did you get through that? And how did you get through the challenging moments in college? Sure. Because you're, you're growing up now. It's, it's different things you're taking with you. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they have so many similarities, yet you're right. They, they also have some pretty big differences. And, mm-hmm. and part of that is coming with that maturity and again, experience. Right. So in college, you, you have had more experience, um, life experience, sport experience, et cetera. Um, but in high school, in particular, from what I can remember, it seems like a very far time I away. Know, don't feel bad. <laughs> it's officially, I think I'm on my 11th year out of high school this year, which is ah, crazy. Oh um, it is my birthday today also, by the way. Oh, <laughs> so, so it's making me think of how old I am. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But uh, in high school, I would say the, the best way or the thing that allowed me to deal with some of these challenges was mm. the support I had. Mm. Um, so this is something I talk about all the time, whether I'm working with you know, the athletes I work with that are currently in sport, whether I'm working with the athletes that are navigating that transition period, mm-hmm. um, connection and support is the number one. The yeah. number one way to navigate the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. If you have that level of connection with, and this could be with whomever, with your family members, with your, your teammates in particular, right, is mainly right. what I'm talking about. Um, because your teammates and yourself are, are moving towards a common goal. Right. You're in it together. And if you can allow yourself to rely on others in some of these challenging moments, that's going to help bring you through it. It's very evident that like lack of support is makes a huge difference in student athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you advise a student who maybe doesn't have or doesn't feel like they have that support? Maybe their parents don't come to a game for their own personal reasons or their grandma or even friends. Mm-hmm. Like what would you say to an athlete that doesn't feel like they have that support system? Sure. And, and you know, that's really challenging, right? But but you're, you're spot on is that unfortunately some people don't have that um, or at least they don't have it set up from, from childhood, you know? Um, so if it's in the case that that support system isn't there family wise, finding that, seeing if you can seek that out. So sometimes it unfortunately does take more effort, right? Um, I think one interesting thing that comes from sport is that 
when we join a team, we automatically have these friends, Mm -hmm. right? And so that actually could make this seeking out support a bit challenging because athletes aren't necessarily taught how to make friends. Right. It's just like, these are your teammates. Yeah. And, And now that doesn't mean that friendship isn't valid, right? Or it isn't special in its own way. Um, It can absolutely be genuine, authentic friendship, but it's just that it's the system is set up that way. So, so in these moments where the outside support isn't there, you know, seeing if you can find a way to highlight the support you do have. Um, And in particular, that team system, that the team, your coach, um, people really in your your immediate environment, um, especially when you're you're in it all the time, you know, athletes are in, in all the time, all the time. Uh, so so seeing if you can highlight the support and connection you do have, mm-hmm. rather than placing a big focus on the connections that you don't. And I think Me that's too. what happens is that we get we get caught up in the things we don't have. Um, so finding a way again, yeah, just highlight what you do, highlight what is there and make that a big deal, make mm-hmm. that connection really important. Correct. I, I totally agree. And I think it has especially a lot to do with personal development. development. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what this platform, My24 is all about. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you going back to the support system and in the beginning, you talk about how you learned a lot of resilience through being an athlete. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on like personal development, specifically mental, emotional, and social development, being more of a requirement for high school athletes? So do you think it can be helpful during their athletic experience to, let's say, being an environment that is okay to unmask and say, hey, mm. like, I'm tired, or I don't think I'm gonna pass this class, or I might not get recruited instead of having this armor on 24-7 that you say mm-hmm. have this huge notion that we're not supposed to talk about these things. And for me, I'm not, I wasn't even a competitive athlete, like in college and I played in high school, but for me, it was more for the personal development side of it. Mm-hmm. But I went to college and I did work for, let's say the athletic department for all the years. And you see clearly the lack of personal development that has mm-hmm. followed them throughout college. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because this is, this is really important. Um, you know, athletes are conditioned to be quote unquote mentally tough. Right. Um, and I don't, and just tough, physically tough. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you're, if you're not tough, if you can't, if you can't be tough, you're not doing enough. You're not this, you're not good enough even. Um, I mean, that may not be overtly said, but it it is unfortunate. As I had mentioned earlier, there's a couple things in sport that I feel are on on the more negative side. And Mm -hmm. this is one of them. Um, And so if I loved the way you put it, if we're able to help athletes take off that mask or that armor, Mm -hmm. right, to shed some of it, and maybe not all of it, because some of it, it's okay to have some protective armor to a, to a point. But yeah, if we can provide a space mm-hmm. for athletes, especially at the high school level, because this is where 
it really begins. Right. You know, some, some could say maybe middle school, but the, the maturity of the development isn't full on there yet. You know, you're still growing, you're still learning. Right. Um, but in high school, I think would be a great place to intervene to teach this, um, teach this basically the opposite of what smart culture tells yeah. us. I was just saying in this day and age, especially when mental health is such on a huge platform Mm -hmm. coming all the way from, you know, professional athletes speaking about it. I feel like now people are taking a harder look at how student athletes are developing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like from all angles, Mm -hmm. truly. And I think that's important because if we, if we think about the systems we have in place for, for this, or even, you know, what's the purpose? What's the point of all this? And if we're going to say, well, it's to, to allow people to learn, grow, and then one day go off on their own and continue to do that. And maybe even teach others, we, we owe it to them to, to help them understand that sometimes we, we do want to take that mask off. Right. Sometimes we need to. Uh, especially and in addition what, to that, sometimes mm-hmm. you need someone to say, hey, me mm-hmm. too. I'm going through that too. Yes. And I don't know what to do. So how did you get through it the last time you went through this? Because mm-hmm. a lot that I noticed as well is the struggles that some athletes are going through, it's some of the same stories. And oh, they yeah. begin to <laughs> wonder like, if all of these athletes, not all, but groups of these athletes are going through similar things. For example, female athletes may go through a lot more, I guess, eh, what's the word? I can't find it, but maybe <laughs> a lot more focus on their image mm, more, uh, per se, sure. than, you know, male athletes. So how do you speak to the female athlete? That's just like, I feel ugly. Sure. Yeah. And so again, some of these things are really tough and they really, go to the core of the human mm-hmm. right they but they just so happen to be coming about in a sport context and we don't know if they would be coming up elsewhere right most likely because if, right. if that's there it's there um however sport and you know swimming for example you think of swimming body image is a big a big thing that comes up in swimming why oh right because you're in a bathing suit every day Right. Um, and, and other aesthetic sports, similar things happen, which happens, which can then also lead to things such as eating disorders, right? So that's when you, you get really into the, the mental health side. Um, right. But really, again, providing space or holding space, as I like to say, for athletes to, to put a label on these things, right? right? And, and doing that, I feel at the high school level, oh, would be so beneficial um, so going back to your your original question of of having some level of personal development on the mental skills, mental performance side mm-hmm. at the high school level, I think would be extremely valuable in right. so many ways um, to help them start this now. And you're right by by having them see they're not in it alone, mm-hmm. which means they don't need to deal with it alone. Right. And that's what, like you said, a room for them, like just student athletes. A lot of mm-hmm. people are like, oh, well, what about other students? And although mm-hmm. they like student athletes and 
non-athletes have mm-hmm. similar things that they go through, such as, you know, friendships, relationships, typical sure. high school stuff. Sure. A counselor or a motivational speaker or things along this line, they still can't connect with an athlete the same way they can connect with a non-athlete because mm-hmm. there are things that non-athletes, yeah, they have stuff like role conflict and time management, but I don't think they'll ever understand the gravity of, you know, the time commitment it takes to be an athlete, especially at that young age. Sure. And, and I do agree with you um, because the, the sport experience is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think it can be related to any, anything similar where until you've experienced it, there are certain things you may not be able to grasp. And it is what it is. Um, but the, yeah, the, the student athlete experience at whatever level is unique. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, and that so, is the perfect yeah, word for it. Yeah, because, because it's not, it's neither good nor bad. It's, you know, it has everything that other experiences may have. Um, mm-hmm. But it's unique. It's relative to even more so on the individual level, right? Each individual right is going to perceive things in a certain way. Um, and that's what makes it so fascinating, but also so complicated. Right. And so yeah, providing a space, um, again, for student athletes to come together, uh, even, and so that, that is good to do for even different sports, if you think about it. Definitely. Um, like you could have athletes from all different sports in the same room, but like you said, I would bet that similar experiences would come up um, and that you would hear so many similarities. And if you just took the sport out of their conversation, you wouldn't even know that they're on different teams. It's fascinating. It is. It is. So you spoke about, you said a word like individual, like it reminded Mm -hmm. me of identity, right? Uh And I know you're (laughs) big on like encouraging athletes to realize that the sport is what you do, but it's Mm -hmm. not all that you are. Yeah. So did you always separate your identity to your sport from other things like your ability to paint or singing or whatever extracurricular, or is that something that came along later? Definitely later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's why I'm so passionate about it. Right. Um, You know, I feel that it makes sense why many people may see their sport as who they are. Right. Um, because especially when you just consider it, the system as a whole, the, the culture of sport as a whole, there's this win at all costs culture, mm-hmm. you know, winning is the most important. So what does that mean? Well, that means we have to put all of our time and all of our energy into our sport. So what does that leave? Right. <laughs> that leaves us with no space, no time for these other roles or interests whatever that may be. Um, and it, it makes us get totally wrapped up in the sport. So it's confusing then mm-hmm. <laughs> we get confused. Well, it's like you're choosing a path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to some extent, um, and this comes to, you know, research on athletic identity, which is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, athletic identity or having a high athletic identity is good for your performance as long as it's exclusive. So AKA you do not have many other, if any 
aspects of your identity. If you're totally in it, it helps performance. Again, makes sense. Makes sense. However, the negatives of that is that you, you don't experience these other interests. You don't even entertain them because you can't, you don't have the space. So, you know, this, this led me on a personal level because I, if I did a, you know, a scale of one to 10, how much did I identify with being a swimmer? Um, at least through my freshman year of college, it was absolutely probably a 12. <laughs> we're going to go there. Um, like we're going above and beyond. We're just going to go because that's just, I, I loved swimming with all of my heart and it was mm-hmm. all the only sport I'd ever done. And it was something I was good at and I really enjoyed. And then because of, you know, again, some of those trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. it slowly started coming down a bit, which was still devastating. I didn't like that I was no longer in love with swimming the mm-hmm. way I used to be. Um, and then by the end of my college career, that, that ending mm-hmm. felt so traumatic because so much of me was associated with my sport and now it was over oh what? Uh, so would you say that was the hardest part about your transition yes a hundred like breaking away from the identity of being a student athlete yeah so um and i've shared this you know on my on my business page a little bit because it is again i, I felt like it was personally traumatic and and many athletes experience a similar level of trauma um because when i touched the wall for what i knew in that instant was the last time. You know, I, I didn't reach my goal time, which sucked. We're just going to say that. <laughs> I, did, I, I thought if I had, I would have had one more meet. So I mm-hmm. wasn't ready. I was not ready to be done. Um, but the moment I touched the wall, it felt like a piece of me had just died, had oh. left my body. I can feel it now. I have a, yeah. like goosebumps right yeah. now. Like, oh my, I can't oh, I yeah. can even imagine like the was, feeling of oh, that. Oh yeah. It was super visceral. It was completely in my body. Um, you know, tears that were not control, uh, controllable. You just couldn't stop them. Yeah. Um, and it was extremely visceral. And I just knew it was gone. <laughs> oh, and, and so there's many people out there um, that, that will say, you know, once an athlete, always an athlete, which is great for those people. Love that you know, keep, stay on that, keep with that. If that's a piece of you, you would like to hold on to and maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think a reason why I was able to recognize it as a death or feel it as a loss in that way right. was because I needed it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were just some, some things that went on throughout my swimming career that, that led me to, again, gravitate away from it. Mm-hmm. And I think I knew in my body it was time, but I still wasn't ready, if that <laughs> makes sense. I don't think anybody, any like competitive athlete, I don't think they're ever fully ready to this. Yeah, right. And that's what makes the transition so challenging. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so when it comes to, again, comes to identity, um, because of that experience on a personal level, it's what led me to really just take an interest in, in the research and to come to a place where I personally now am able to separate um, different identities, different roles. And I help my athletes, especially those that come to me that are just so, so engulfed Mm -hmm. by everything that it leads to some, you know, high level emotion. Um, and I help them to separate by making the space 
right? And, and when I say mm -hmm. space, I don't necessarily just mean physical space where they just, you know, get out of the environment, be where they are. Maybe that's in their, in their room or they go for a walk, et cetera. It's right. really about that internal space. Mm -hmm. And I do that by helping them to gain awareness of those other interests Right. And by giving those other interests some weight, you know, I've had, I've had people, for example, when I, when I did this with someone, um, she, I asked her what she likes, like, what do you like to do? What, what, what might you do? That's, that's different than your sport. And she said, well, you know, recently I've, it's no big deal, but I've been going around and like taking pictures of my teammates on my iPhone. And she's like, but it's no big deal, really. It's like not, a, it's not a thing. I'm like, but really? do you, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? She said, yeah, I do actually. It's, it's fun. It's not, I really like taking pictures. So is it kind of a tone that she feels like she's kind of betraying? That's, that's a good, good question. So that it could be something like that. It feels like a betrayal. I'm cheating on my sport. Right. right? Um, and also again, we're, we're told or learn, we are taught mm -hmm. that our sport is it, that we need to give it everything. We need to give it more than everything, right. um, all the weight, all the energy and attention. And I think that just can, can make us feel or make athletes feel that other things are less than, right. that they, they don't deserve to have as much weight. Serious. Mm -hmm. You right. know, whether you go to the pros or not, it is going to come a day that mm -hmm. it's, you're not going to be able to physically play anymore. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's an awareness thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's one of the big things I um, attempt to do with the athletes I work with is to mm -hmm. raise their awareness. And now I don't necessarily, so the ones that are currently competing, right, I don't necessarily say, let's focus on this because one day, yeah, you're, you're not going to do this anymore. Right. Cause that's, that's scary to them. Right. Um, but it is, you're being kind of tricky about it. Right. So you're trying <laughs> Cause to you be, don't want it to come off as, Oh, they don't want me to be serious. They don't think I could make it to the pros. It's like, no, right. no, no, I'm not trying to deter you from your dream of making it to play, be a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. I just want to give you some perspective. Exactly. You yeah, know, so like you said, it's space. a fine line. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. And again, it all makes sense. It, mm -hmm. When you look at sport culture, it makes sense that this is how we're wired and how we're conditioned. Um, and then you have, you know, then you have the coaching perspective mm -hmm. of this stuff. And, and that tends to make it even more challenging. Um, what coach wants their athletes to, to divide their attention? Mm -hmm. You know, because that doesn't make sense to a coach. And I, we can understand that, right? right? We cognitively, <laughs> right? Rationally, <laughs> we think, well, if they're not always focused on their sport, how are they going to be their best? Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes, let's, sure, let's take that. Um, but, but again, if we're so overloaded, right? We're overloaded mm -hmm. by all this stimuli that's associated with our sport. That's exhausting. Right. It's, it can completely and entirely lead to that burnout, that mental fatigue. Mm -hmm. Do you think it magnifies like the highs and the lows, like the wins and the losses, because they have nothing else to, 
I guess, focus their attention on. You know, if you're mm. at work and something's just frustrating, you leave, you go home, maybe your thing is to watch a good movie or maybe mm-hmm. to go out with some friends. Do you think it just magnifies the wins and the losses because that's all they do? Yes, absolutely. Um, and in particular, the losses. Mm. However, yeah, even with the wins, the the... I think, again, something that's interesting is that we are told as athletes, you know, the win is what we want. Mm-hmm. Always go for the win. And, and the win is big, right? And I think that prevents us from or prevents athletes from noticing the smaller things or the quote unquote smaller things, right. the things that seem less than a win, but they're necessary, right? They're important. And just going back to that example of, of the athlete um, not able to see the value in the joy she gets from taking pictures, mm-hmm. you know, that's because it seems small. Right. It's something that we're not told to direct the weight and attention towards. Um, but when we, when we do that, we are actually allowing for us to be or for athletes to be more present when they are playing and what happens if you're more present if you're more in the moment you you do the work better right you're more effective and you can apply that to the the working world as well right i know now now that we're working from home people have to adjust and you know see what is more effective for them Um, i know for myself i can actually get you know eight hours of work done in like three same and i get more work done at home (laughs) and it's and it's better it's better work because you're just more present with it right um and so it's it's something similar if we allow athletes the space to you know play and do what they need to do for their sport when they're in it when they're at practice right when they're in the in the gym training in that way and even when they're doing things like mental performance training, great. They're going to do it because they have the energy, physical yeah. and mental. So then when they're off the court, they're not in those environments. I attempt to help them gain awareness of the value mm-hmm. of just being where they are. Right. Like you so said, watch us- a movie, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Like do something freeing. <laughs> yeah. Like don't, don't go home every day and watch um, watch film, you know, right. of, of the other teams or your opponents or whatever, do that with your team because right. you do. <laughs> and sometimes we need a little bit more, right? right? Sometimes we need a little bit more studying, but there is such a thing as overstudying being over-involved. Mm-hmm. So take us through, take us briefly through your coaching process, like from the beginning of the consultation to what you expect or would like the athlete to leave with. So that's an interesting thing. I don't know if I've actually even thought of it that way. <laughs> so, um, but so this is right now how it works. So, so like I said, I work at a university um, mm-hmm. with with all eighteen of our teams. So it's all different sports. Mm-hmm. And when I work with an athlete individually, um, I like to be be as open and authentic as I can right from the start. So that typically involves just holding space for them mm-hmm. by by prompting, right? By prompting them with, so, you know, what are you, what are you here to talk about today? What, what do you want to gain from, 
from this session, right? I, I give it to them. I bring right. it back to them. Um, and I see what they give me. Sometimes for some, it's, it's a lot, right? Some give mm -hmm. me a lot. And for others, um, it takes a couple sessions to get that, that conversation going. Right. Um, but by holding space and allowing them to bring what they want or what they need right then, that helps guide my next steps. So I'm very other person focused in the way I work. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started, I would say I still had some anxiety, right? <laughs> still was learning. And I think that prevented me from being as present as I wanted to and by and to not really hear what they were saying because I was so focused on, okay, well, what's the, what's the mental skill strategy I can give them, right? I was already focused, so textbook-like right. um, on that, and I just wasn't able to connect as well. So I'd say the last six months or maybe a year, I've really leveled up in that way where I've been able to be, be there for what they, what they want and need. And then we go from there. If they need a specific strategy, we mm -hmm. need for a certain activity, we do it. Uh, if it's if it's just to get that, get those words, those thoughts out of their brain and into the ether mm -hmm. to label them, great. Let's do that first. So it's a little dependent on, on yeah, the other. Yeah, of course, person. every student athlete is different, so I understand yes. that. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to one last question for you, I know. Sure. All what you're doing now is like you said before, just the accumulation of everything you've been through as a student athlete, giving you mm -hmm. like massive perspective. Yes. But right now, with all that you know, what is one thing that you will you would tell your younger self as a young competitor? Mm. Well, my heart just like skips a beat. <laughs> Oof, that's a big question. Um you know, I think I would, I would attempt to guide myself to just stop and listen mm. to myself, to stop and to listen and to hear what I was thinking and feeling a bit more. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it's that, like, that makes a lot of sense. It's like a, like a meta, you know, like a meta awareness, a metacognition, <laughs> like really, because I, I think I was, I think I had the right ideas. Like, I think I had I think I knew what I was doing, right. but I would second guess myself based on just based on th the stuff in my world, right? And it's so easy to get caught up yeah. in in the noise you can call it, and it and I did, right? Yeah. And I did get get caught up, which which led to me being more introverted. So I'm already naturally inclined to go inward, mm -hmm. um, and I think I would do do too much of that <laughs> <laughs> until it's time to perform then you're like i'm back i'm here yeah yeah and so but but if i was able to just sit and listen and and you know know thyself type right. of situation um i think it would have allowed for deeper presence in in the times that i really needed it um and so that's i mean that's a skill in and of itself but Mm -hmm. um, I think listening to our intuition, trusting ourself, trusting that we know ourself pretty well, um, that would have been really helpful to me back then. That is actually a great reflection question. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I mean, if I'm being honest, I am in the role I'm in now because I needed me when I was in college. 
So love it. yeah, love it. So I'd say that's what's really led me here. So thank you for that question. That's really a valuable yeah. reflection. And that is a great question to end on. Like, <laughs> thank you for that answer. But yeah. before we really end, tell everybody where sure. they can find you, social mm-hmm. media handles. And awesome. I'll also put it in the show notes. Great. Yeah. So right now I'm on Instagram at madeline.m.barlow. So that's my, my business page. Um, my business itself is just me, is Madeline M. Barlow, LLC. Um, because when I work with athletes, I'm working with them person first, right? It's me, Madeline, the human, um, working with that individual to connect in that way. So that's my Instagram. My, my Facebook page is also Madeline M. Barlow. And on Facebook, even though I know so many people are not on Facebook, but unfortunately Facebook, Facebook. (laughs) I know, but I feel like it's, it's still not, you know, it's not the prime space for college athletes right now. So, and that's my, my audience mainly, but, um, the, thing that's really great about Facebook is that it provides space for that, that sense of community mm-hmm. and conversation. And so for those um, that would really like to join a private and supportive space of former athletes, so this is just for former athletes, um, I invite you to head over to that Facebook page. It's called Life After Sport. And it's just, again, a space for us to connect, to learn from one another and to help one another grow and and maintain some sense of community. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a comment, leave a rating, let us know what you think and your biggest takeaway. I'll drop all her communication in the show notes and I will see you guys next time.